Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Star Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy, joined by my co-host today, Joey Ikes. We are back after both me and Joey were on vacation last week, so we are refreshed and ready to go. We have technically three shows left before training camp gets here, so we are going to spend this episode and next episode putting the Cowboys position groups into rankings based on the NFC East. And then our third and final show before training camp will be a preview of some sort. So we're excited to do this as we know the ranking world is always a crazy one and an interesting one. I think we saw some crazy quarterback rankings the other day. So we figured we'd bring you some realistic, maybe slightly biased, but realistic rankings of where these Cowboys offensive position groups uh, fall in the NFC East today. But before we get started, Joey, what's up, man? Not too much, man. Like you said, we both had a good, uh, good vacation last week, and now we're we're back, ready to uh, hit this hit this stride for preseason and regular season, and we're gonna get you guys through this thing as we go. So what we're gonna do today is go through quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends, and the offensive linemen. Uh, so each offensive position group for each NFC East team. Uh, we're not going to go through every player, just kind of based on kind of like the starting lineups heading into camp. Maybe talk about a few of the depth players. Um, but let's go ahead and get started at the quarterback position. And while a lot of people are going to say this is a two-man race for, you know, who takes the crown there, I still, even with Jalen Hurts playing as well as he did last year, don't think – I'm not going to say it's not close. I guess you could say it's close, but I don't consider it all that close when you take into account the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the consistencies, the post-snap, pre-snap, all the stuff that goes into playing quarterback position. I don't think it's as close as a lot of people think it is, but I have Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys leading that quarterback position group with the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts behind them. Daniel Jones and the Giants behind them, and then whatever the Washington Commanders decide to throw out there, quarterback between Sam Howell, um, I think he's probably in line to be the starter, but I know they've got Jacoby Brissett as well, uh, filing, finishing things out on that fourth spot. Yeah, I, I think the thing about the Jalen Hurts conversation is that it seems like he, in 2022 – had the supporting cast and surrounding environment around him that everybody in the national media would lead you to believe that Dak Prescott has had his entire career. Right. In that everything around Jalen Hurts was optimal. 
we'll get to, you know, the offensive line and the wide receiver rankings and the tight end rankings and all of those things coming up here over the course of the rest of this episode. And you'll see what we mean when we say this is that Jalen Hurts had potentially the optimal. I don't know that there was a better offensive full situation than there was in Philadelphia last year. And so I'm not going to necessarily ding Jalen Hurts for that, but when I'm evaluating two guys who a lot of people consider to be relatively equal players at this point, um, and one of them had a much better situation than the other, I'll take the guy who had the lesser situation and still had those ultra-high-level performances. So I'm taking Dak. Call me a homer, whatever. <laughs> Dak, Dak is the best quarterback in the division. And if we did this for the full conference, I think you would say he's the best quarterback in the conference. Um, so, yeah, it's Dak, and then it's Jalen Hurts. And this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I think Jacoby Brissett is not that far behind, if he is behind, Daniel Jones as a quarterback. Yeah, as, a, just, as, a, life, as a lifelong Daniel Jones hater, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I, think, I think if Jacoby Brissett was – like the way he played last year in Cleveland was remarkable. And yeah, then to see twice as good as Deshaun Watson. <laughs> it, it, yes, exactly. And then to see what happened when Deshaun Watson and everything that came along with that signing and what he was supposed to represent for that team. Um, everything that happened there. Um, I think if Jacoby Brissett were like the set in stone starting quarterback for a, a halfway decent football team, I think he would be, I think people would look at him and say he's a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. But for now, because of the stability at the quarterback position that we now have in New York, whether that's a great level of stability or not, um, I think you got to put Daniel Jones and the Giants a little bit ahead of the of the the Washington team, um, just because of you know are, are they really going to start Sam Howell is sort of the question. Right. Yeah. No, I, I I'm I'm with you there. I mean, like I said, the just there's there's things with even Jalen Hurts here last year where if you take out you know, like when you look at some of the analytical things, like pure dropbacks and stuff like that, like some of that even shows some still some concerns with Jalen Hurts' game. Um, like I said, you got to dive a little bit deeper. And I mean, some of that stuff, if you want to find negative stats or analytics or whatever, you can find it for just about anybody. But there is stuff still out there that even with the production and stuff that he did last year, and he played tremendous um, in that Super Bowl game, you know, uh, Obviously, they, they they did end up losing to the Chiefs, but even with all the highs that Jalen Hurts had last year, that Philadelphia Eagles uh, offense had last year, there are still some things that you can kind of pick apart and go, hey, well, if you take a little bit deeper look at this, there's still some, maybe you wouldn't say glaring concerns, but still some kind of underlying concerns there with, with just that pure drop back passing game from the pocket. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, None of this is to take away from the way Jalen Hurts played in the Super Bowl. He played phenomenal. But that one game does not make him a better quarterback than a guy who has right. five years' worth of sample size of playing fantastic football for very, very long stretches with lesser supporting cast in worse situations than what Jalen Hurts is. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, uh, running back position. This is where it gets a little tricky, so I'll let you kind of head this one off and see where you take it, and then I'll uh, follow up and, and see if we agree or disagree on it because I think it could get a little interesting here. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. I, I think at face value you look at it and you say Saquon Barkley is probably the best running back in the division, 
the Giants have to have the best running back group in the division. Um, but then you turn around, you look at it, and, you know, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, that's a pretty good duo. And then you look at Philadelphia. And this is a big if. If Rashad Penny is healthy, I think he's the best running back in the division. I think he's the most productive running back in the division this year. If he's healthy. Sure. <laughs> and, and, and then you add, like, DeAndre Swift that they got for nothing. Kenneth Gainwell has been there forever. You know, even like a guy like Trey Sermon, who was never able to sort of put it together in San Francisco, which is supposed to be the, the you know, the best running back destination in the world. But that's a guy who was drafted, you know, pretty high by people who know how to put together running games. I think it's Philadelphia's at the top. I think – and maybe I – I probably don't rate or rank Tony Pollard as a – full running back as high as a lot of people do. Um, I think it's probably Philadelphia for the whole room, then New York, then probably Dallas, because I think Tony Pollard is better than either of what Washington has and then Washington. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics, but now with AI... People can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, yeah, we're actually not too far off in because I think I have the exact same order. Um I think Philadelphia, like you I mean, Rashad Penny was one of the ones where, you know, again, like the injury stuff's legit with Rashad Penny, but the price that they paid for him and then the production that he provides when he is healthy, that was one of the few like free agent signings this year. I shouldn't say a few, but that was one of the free agent signings this year was like, man, I really wish they would have considered doing that because they're not paying him much money at all. Um, the production when he's healthy is pretty much off the charts from a advanced metric and discounting numbers uh, standpoint. And then, you know, just things he can do on first, second and third down, I think provide a ton of value. And I think he's a great complement 
uh, to a guy like Tony Pollard. Um, and then everything you said, DeAndre Swift, they've got some guys who've been in that room for a little bit while, Kenneth Gainwell, that, that provide a little, uh, you know, extra sauce to that room. And then um, I, I think Saquon Barkley's kind of star power pushes them slightly ahead of Dallas. I think Tony Pollard, it's tough because I think Tony Pollard and Rashad Penny are probably on that same tier. I might lean Pollard um, just from that one-back standpoint a little bit right now just because even though it's kind of crazy to say this, Pollard does seem to have a little bit more success staying healthy than Rashad Penny. Um, that's coming from a guy who's coming off an injury and has dealt with some injury with the more you know carries he's seen throughout his career. Um, but I think when healthy and at their best, I'd probably lean Pollard just a little bit, and Pollard has been able to stay healthy. Um, so I'd probably give Dallas a slight lean there from that, you know, just one back standpoint. But Philadelphia's depth and then Saquon Barkley star power. I'm going to go Philly, Philly one, New York two, Dallas three, and Washington four. But I do think you could almost consider Dallas as the two B behind two A. Um, but just to not sound like a biased homer, I'm going to go Dallas at three, Giants at two, Philly at one, and Washington at four. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know if you were just stunned by a taker. <laughs> no, I even I even responded to you, and I was like, why Why is he just waiting on me? What is going on? <laughs> love, the, love the old secret mute. All right, receiver. Uh, this, this is going to be an interesting one, too, because – there's one team that's not even in the conversation in New York, even though, you know, they're trying to kind of revamp that bad boy. But then you got three teams in Washington, Philadelphia, and Dallas who were probably ranked pretty similar, uh, similar to to each other. So it's kind of, you know, almost your, your what ice cream do you prefer there? Um, I'm going to go – I'm going to still lean Philly at one. Um, I think A.J. Brown is a hell of a player. I think Devontae Smith is a hell of a player. Um, I think they really spent a lot of emphasis and time on trying to figure out who that third guy is. Um, you know, they, they've always tried to tried to figure out who that guy is. They still haven't really figured it out for sure. Um, I think those top two in Philly and A.J. Brown and, and Devontae are, are two star players. I know Devontae Smith might not get that type of uh, – he might not get that type of you know notoriety yet, but I think he is a breakout star. Might already be there. Just kind of might might be in the shadows of AJ Brown and some of those other you know Philly offensive players. Um, Washington is a very talented group. Uh, Terry McLaurin is one of the most underrated guys. Uh, they have some depth there too. Um, but I think I'm going to go Philly one with their big guys and and some of these other guys. I think might step up for them. Um, I'm going to go Dallas too with CD lamb, Brandon cooks bounce back year for Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert. Uh, some of those guys coming back, I'm going to go Washington three and then the giants at four for that wide receiver group ranking in the NFC East. Where are you at with that? Yeah. So I'm close. I, I have a problem with <laughs> The Philadelphia wide receiver three situation is something that it clearly has not kept their offense from being successful, right? They've they've used right. two tight ends. They've used two running backs. They've used different personnel packages to make up for the fact that that third wide receiver is, you know, has been a black hole in that offense for a long time. Um, I think the gap between 
Olamizi Zacchaeus and Michael Gallup is big enough that any gap between CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and and um, and Brandon Cooks is, is washed. So I'm going to take Dallas first here. I think if you look at last year, I think it's Philadelphia by a mile. But the addition of Brandon Cooks here changes the game at the wide receiver position for Dallas for me. I'm going to take Dallas first. I'm going to take Philadelphia second only because of the third wide receiver. I think if we're just talking duos, they have the best duo in the, in the division. But that third wide receiver puts Dallas above Philadelphia. Then it's Washington, and then it's New York. Um, and I, I almost feel like that's underrating Washington a little bit. Yeah. Because I think, I think their group is phenomenal. Like, Terry McLaurin is unbelievable. You know, Jahan Dotson had a good rookie yeah. year. Um, you know, you hate it for uh, – for, for Curtis, for Curtis Samuel, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But, like, that's a really good wide receiver group that hasn't been able to show it because the quarterback play has been terrible, and they just sort of languish in uh, in obscurity out there. Yeah. No, I mean, like you said, it's – it's with Do- I think Dotson's going to have a huge year this year. I mean, he really kind of had an impressive year one, you know, even though he, he didn't really blow up. But he, I think he had a you know, above-average rookie season for a receiver. Um and then, but man, I think Dotson's in for a huge year, and, and we've seen some of those other guys step up at times too. But um, I don't, I don't, I don't hate your point there. Like I said, I I actually like Zacchaeus quite a bit. I mean, he's been in Atlanta the last four years, and has shown to be a you know productive. And again, kind of same spot with Washington. They've had some rough quarterback play over the last what two or three since really Matt Ryan's kind of been out of there on, on the decline. So. Um, I think Zacchaeus is going to have a pretty solid year for Philly this year. Um, uh, he, you know, he's a guy that we just talked about it with Rashad Penny. Then free agency, I was like, hey, you know, if they're going to look to bring in a receiver, I wouldn't have hated his. He's not the explosive speed guy that we wanted, but I think he's productive. He's a guy who can play primarily in the slot, move around a little bit if they need to. But with CeeDee Lamb playing in the slot, it made sense for them to go for, for more of a guy who could play that X or Z role. But I think Zacchaeus will fit in well in the slot. That's kind of what they need with Devontae Smith and, and A.J. Brown moving around quite a bit. So, we're like you said, we're not far off by any means. I think I think the top two and Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown just carries a little bit more weight for me. You know, I think C.D. Lamb and A.J. Brown are probably on that same tier. I would probably prefer, even though I've talked in, you know, in wonder of how much I am excited for Brandon Cooks and how good I think he is. I just think Devontae Smith, you know, was kind of still on that, you know, rising tier of of what he could be, that star tier. So I'd probably lean Devontae Smith a little bit, but I'm with you. I think, you know, Gallup might edge out Zacchaeus for me, but I think the – I just – the slight edge of Smith over Cooks and then having Brown probably just slightly ahead of Lamb, I got a little bit of value there for them, but it's it's close. And and that's that's a lot of these position groups. Dallas and Philly are one – 1A, 1B, it's really close. Which do you prefer? Um, this next one tied in, I think, is pretty pretty straightforward on, on who the best group is. But uh, I'll let you start it off at tight end, and we'll go, we'll go from there. Yeah, I think, I think number one here is Philadelphia. I think Dallas Goddard is phenomenal, and he's been healthy. I think Darren Waller is a big pickup for New York um, because if there is a unique tight end in the league, he's one of a handful of guys who has been able to be that over the last few years, just in terms of a guy who you can build your passing offense around at tight end. Those guys are super rare, Um, but he's a little bit older. 
didn't really get, you know, didn't reach prominence in the league until older. And and now he's been in the league for a while, a little older and and been hurt a little bit more than Dallas Goddard has. So Philadelphia, New York. um, And then I'm going to take Washington over Dallas here. I think Logan Thomas is a, is a good tight end uh, for them. And with Dallas, it's just literally a room full of basically unknowns, (laughs) which I, I, I've said this before on this show and in other places, like, if you're going to have a spot other than running back where you're just going to fill it with unknowns and hope it works out, tight end is the place to do it. So I'm I'm okay with the way Dallas has done this, but when you rank it in the division, they, they are the 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 least uh, the lowest quality tight end room in the division for me. Yep, I am right there with you. I think we actually had the exact same ranking. I think you can make the argument that, you know, if you could guarantee that Darren Waller stays healthy, that the Giants might be able to edge it out. They had some, they had some good young players last year kind of show up for them, um, you know, in their rookie year and early in their their career. So you know, there's there's some depth there in New York that could make this interesting. But uh, Dallas Goddard, you know, I think's a pl- uh, player who just right now he plays at a plays at a level that, you know, you could say he's a top five tight end pretty easily. Uh, they brought in Dan Arnold from Jacksonville, who's you know does kind of the the blocking, the dirty work. They drafted uh, Grant Calcaterra out of SMU a couple of years ago, young player on the roster, and Jack Stoll, who's done some things for them. So I think they got some some different types of tight ends on the roster that can do a couple of different roles. Um, like I said, I think I think the the Philly tight ends are going to be ranked number one for me. I got Giants number two, Washington three, Dallas four, just like you had it. I just do think that if Darren Waller is able to stay healthy and return to that level of play we've seen him play at for a good chunk of his career like he did in Las Vegas and Oakland, that that they could overtake Philly as that number one role if Waller can really put that passing game on his back. And then some of those young young guys who showed up last year can show back up in year two and year three to uh, provide the depth behind the, the star guy. Yep, I'm right there with you. Offensive line to close it out. This is another one that's going to be, I think, a little, you know, with 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 New York kind of rebuilding the offense line over the last year or two and having some really good young pieces. This conversation has gotten kind of like a three-headed monster instead of the, the two-headed monster that we've seen for the last couple of years. But uh, I still think this one this one probably, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll let you go. I mean, I think Philly's number one. I don't think there's any really question there. But two, three, four gets a little interesting. Um, when you look at some of the the top dogs on on you know New York's offensive line nowadays, and some of the depth guys that they've brought in behind them, yeah, I, I think you nailed it. Philly's probably the best offensive line in the league, much less in the division. So <laughs> Philadelphia is a top offensive line, and then if Dallas has their best five offensive linemen all healthy, I think Dallas is the next best offensive line. But if they don't, if they're playing Tyron Smith at right tackle and Tyler Smith at left tackle and, you know, Chuma Adoga at left guard, I think what the Giants have is probably better than that. Um, I think if, you know, if Terrence, but if Terrence Steele is playing right tackle and Tyler Smith is playing left tackle, I think Dallas is probably still better. Um, I'm going to take Dallas second, call me a homer, call it a track record thing. Uh, Andrew Thomas is phenomenal. Evan Neal's really good. It, you know, they've got some really quality players there. I'm just going to take Dallas for the the sort of continuity that that group has when they've been when 
they're healthy of four out of those five linemen have been around for years. Tyler Smith is a, you know, Tyler Smith probably has the upside to be what, you know, what everyone believes Evan Neal is going to be. And he was drafted way later and all those sorts of things. And so I'll take Dallas, then New York, and then Washington. I think I'm going to have to give New York the slight edge here. And that might be because we don't know who's going to play right tackle yet. We really aren't 100% sure who's going to be the the left guard. So, I mean, even though I think this offensive line is in great shape from a depth and starting level for, for Dallas, I just think Andrew Thomas is one of, if not the best left tackles. Evan Neal, who really didn't play up to the level that I think a lot of people thought he would at right tackle the, uh, last year in his rookie season. Think he's going to be more than fine in year two, um, and I really like what what New York's doing with their interior. They drafted John Michael Schmitz this year, who I think is going to be a really quality center in the NFL. Uh, should get rolling pretty early. Ben Bredesen was a guy they traded for a couple of years ago, who's dealt with some injuries, but he's normally a pretty good left guard when he's healthy. And then Mark Lewinsky's a uh, guy that they got from Indianapolis, who's had really solid career um, along the interior. So I, I like the starting five for New York. Um, you know, it all depends on health. It all depends on, uh, you know, what they have going on with with some of these guys, these young guys. But but Dallas is kind of dealing with those same issues too. Um, you know, where who's going to play right tackle if Terrence Steele's not ready? If he is, you know, is Tyron Smith going to be left tackle? So we're, we're still a lot of un unsolved mysteries there at the Dallas offensive line. So that's really why I'm giving the Giants, the slight edge, but I think all three of these offensive lines have the ability to be, you know, top seven, eight units in the NFL. So even though some people might be listening to this and, you know, upset that I'm not giving Dallas a slight edge here, I think all three of these offensive lines are going to be really good. I just like the, and it's not like we're basing this on a three or four year run, but I just like the youth that, that, you know, the two tackles that the Giants have at center and then those, the guards are more veteran presence guys who who have had some success in the league. So I'm going to give a slight edge to New York, but I think it is very close. And I think these top three offensive lines um, are, are all three really good offensive lines. And Washington at four, I think, is still kind of trying to figure some things out and uh, get that thing built back up to what it looked like, you know, six, seven, eight years ago to where they had a quality offensive line um, in front of some of those quarterbacks that they had back in the day. But uh yeah, that's 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 what I got for the offense lines. Did, did, was that was that too crazy to give New York? The, no, the not side? at all. I think, I think the thing about offensive line is that it's really a threshold position. It's like, is your offensive line as a whole above a certain threshold of of level of play? And if it is, it's good enough. And I think it's very clear that at least three of the teams in the division have offensive lines that very easily clear that it's good enough line. And because of that, really how you rank them within there, especially with Dallas and New York, because Philly is one of those that clears that next threshold of can they be difference makers? Um, And then there's that next threshold of are you good enough? And I think both Dallas and New York sit somewhere between that it's going to be a difference-making group and it's a good enough group. And how you rank all those all those teams in that tier is sort of up to preference of which positions you value the most, and and whether you value youth or experience and all those other sorts of things. So I don't I don't think it's crazy at all to give New York the nod. 
I didn't want to didn't want to close out on a crazy note, but uh, we are closing out, and uh, we will be back next week to rank the defensive position groups in the NFC East. And then, like I said, we'll have one more show before training camp, and we're going to have a preview. Either have a guest on, uh, getting this bad boy ready, somebody who might already be at camp. You know, talking about some of the things they're seeing and hearing. So. We are just a few weeks away from training camp, and then, you know, as soon as we get there, this bad boy flies through, and then the season will be here right before you know it. So we are excited to continue to talk about all of those things, get ready for camp, get through camp, get on the preseason, then get to the old regular season starting in September. So uh, it feels far away, but it will be here before you know it. So we're going to continue to bring in you all the Cowboys news notes and things to talk about uh, until then and we will see you guys next week on the Talk of the Star podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. See you then. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.